So the magic is just a funny word that Michael has applied to it because the magic is really just the nervous system. It's the organic intelligence within us. And so it's just our bodies. And when we can stay and build and, and develop a relationship between our mind and our body and our life, then security comes again. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to Colleen McBride. She, along with Michael McLaughlin, are the featured guests in episode 12, part two of YXC Underground. The emotional and physical trauma of cancer can be immense, but Colleen McBride is helping people recover from both through yoga. Her practice certainly helped Michael McLaughlin, a cancer survivor who credits Colleen for helping not only his physical, but emotional recovery as well. Their conversation is featured in this episode of YXC Underground. I would not have met Colleen McBride if not for my co-host, who's sitting right next to me. We're in her backyard right now on a beautiful Friday afternoon, and that would be Amy Smith-Morris. Hi, Amy. Hey, Eric. How's it going? Doing very well, thank you. Um, Amy, can you tell me about how you first met Colleen? So Colleen and I were actually co-workers. So we were both working at the Saskatchewan Cancer Agency, and we were both working on the pediatric oncology team. Yeah, so we both, uh, I met her through that work. Okay, so um, for people maybe that, that didn't hear the last episode, can you just quickly talk about um, like what, what your role was working alongside Colleen and then if you want to segue down the road? Yeah, I, you know what, it, it's so great to be able to work on a team like that. So work on an interdisciplinary team with just all the different disciplines. Um, but I was working as a pharmacist and Colleen as a social worker. And so we were both providing our own unique perspective based on our training and our experience to the children in Saskatoon that are receiving cancer treatment. Um, so an example of that would be like lots of times these kids have to go through procedures and whatnot and, you know, endure lots of pokes and prods and, and and for me, I might use a drug to help them cope with the anxiety or to sedate them. And Colleen might use different coping mechanisms um, that I'm sure she could tell you much more about than I can. <laughs> it, is there, like, in the, in, in the best, I guess, scenario, is it a bit of both that helps a, a child going through that? Oh, without a doubt, right? And I say that about everything when it comes to healthcare and medicine is that it's not all or nothing, right? You don't have to choose one side or another. It's really what works best for you and to use all the different resources you have to get you through it. Um, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think for a lot of people, they either, they're on one side of the fence or the, and, they, and it can't be both. But... Natural. Yeah. No, cut that out though. <laughs> um, so, can, can, Amy, can you talk a little bit about um, how you, how I guess, how your relationship started to form with Colleen beyond a, a, a professional, um, I guess in a professional sense, but more of a personal way? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, well, I've been working with Colleen for some time, and when I was diagnosed, you you have to step back and really think about whatever resources you have available to you. Whoever you know, 
you need to contact them because that that's your life on the line. So that's really what I was doing. And and when you say diagnosed, uh, for people that maybe haven't heard the, the first part, what, what were you diagnosed with? Yeah, sorry. So at the age of 30, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. So I was working at the cancer agency, was working alongside Colleen on the pediatric oncology team. And um, I really just wanted to find anyone that could help me through that treatment and to survival and get to the other side. And when I thought about my health, I thought about my physical health, of course, being surgery and chemo uh, and, you know, physical therapy, things like that. But I also thought about my mental health and how I was going to go through cancer treatment and then return to working with people with cancer. And so when I thought about my mental health and a social worker that could help me, the first person that came to mind was Colleen. What makes her a good social worker? You know, oh gosh, that's a hard question. Colleen is just, she's really approachable. She's really reflective. And you'll probably hear that in her interview too, is when I'm asked a question, I just start to answer right away. And Colleen will actually sit and think and reflect and then give you the next piece or the next um, thought that she has. That, you know what? That's a very good point because you'll, you'll hear those pauses in, in the interview uh, coming up. And sometimes as, as a journalist, pauses can scare me a bit because it's like you want to keep the conversation flowing. But then you sort of learn to embrace it's like no she's like you said she's just thinking and then she gives a wonderful answer exactly exactly and it makes it so much um, richer than you thought it would be um so just to set the scene for everybody um uh colleen and and amy and i have been sort of uh, messaging one another back and forth for a few months and we decided we finally found a day that uh, that worked for for me to meet up with colleen and so i actually went to her house and she has a a a yoga studio in her basement um but the really and, and i'm so glad she thought of this um she asked one of her her old clients a gentleman named michael mclaughlin um who had um was diagnosed with cancer um and relied on 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 Colleen not only for her her social work but the yoga classes as well um she invited Michael to be a part of the interview as well so the three of us were down in her beautiful little yoga studio in her basement um and we had this this conversation that just went in all these wonderful ways and I'm so glad you mentioned that she's reflective because I I think having Michael there tell sort of retell some of his story you could see that Colleen was reflecting on that. Yeah, I, I like how, um, like, it's true, Colleen's a social worker, she's a yoga instructor, and so, and she uses those two together, but when you listen to this interview, you expect her to be talking about yoga, but you realize, yes, it is about yoga, but it's actually not about yoga at all. Yeah, it's, it's there's so many different strands and themes, which, which is why, too, we wanted this to have, this interview to have its, kind of its own episode, because there's a lot to take in, so, um, so I, I first started by asking Michael if he would share a little bit of his story, and, uh, and here's what he said. Well, I had uh, non-Hodgkin's Burkitt's lymphoma, and uh, the tumor was in the central nervous system in the base of my spine, so I went uh, through emergency surgery, and, um, you know, timelines are a blur, but uh, it was sometime after that that the diagnosis came down, and... Uh, I started uh, chemo the very next day, so it was uh, pretty, uh, pretty intense and very evasive, if you will. Um, and uh, yeah, here I am. You know, it was a six-month journey uh, through treatments and uh, you know, life-changing experience. Well, how long ago was that? Um, I was diagnosed, or I had my surgery on the 16th of September, 2016. 
So that's not that's not that long ago. When when you because it was so invasive and, and things had to be done quick, what was what was that experience like when when you were in the midst of it? Well, it's a good question. I'm still wrestle with that. Um, you know, everything happens very fast. Uh, once you know, as an example, the the surgery, I knew I needed help. So, I mean, I was going to take that lifeboat, no questions asked. Um, and afterwards, uh, you know, when when they did know the type of cancer that I had, um, you know, there's certain things that I remember crystal clear, and one of them was meeting with the the oncologists and I said okay well I have four sons and I'll discuss it with them come back and see me tomorrow and they said no 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 you got one hour so it was a pretty quick decision and uh yeah it was the right one so it was a it was a, yeah well, you know it was a vortex it was a funnel of uh of insaneness that was taking place around you and then uh, you know you have to get caught up with it the person going through it has to get caught up with it right everything takes place you know the the within the day i had five procedures and i started chemo right away because you know my form of cancer can double in size in less than 18 hours so the the nice thing about that if you will the positive side about that is that it can be cured because it's so rapid now the flip side of that is the treatment for it is uh, equally as aggressive as what the cancer itself is. So uh, you know, there's there's always two sides to it. But anyway, um, so it took me a while. It, it actually there's a there's a nurse up there on the sixth floor that one particular day um, had a very serious conversation with me, one-sided, if you will, and uh, she got me in the game. She got me into the get my head into it and understand that I do actually have cancer and that it, you know, I need to, uh, to start fighting. So what can I say? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm alive because the system worked, uh, pretty well flawlessly for me. The people were, um, amazing. You know, you you, you turn your life over, you're naked to a hundred people and, uh, you put your trust in them and you do what you have to do. You know, the deal that I made with, uh, if I can say names, Dr. Awesome, who is awesome, and that's his name, is awesome. I knew we were going to get along fine when he introduced himself. Was, uh, you know, quite simply, I was going to do my part to stay alive. Well, his part and uh, the, the medical part was to bring me as close to death as possible to kill, kill the cancer. And so they did their part and I did my part and... Away we go. Picking up the pieces now. I, I feel like we could do a whole podcast episode on just what you told me. Like that's so, Colleen. When you when you're when you're hearing Michael tell that story, what's going through your head? Um, so Michael's story is definitely unique because every person's experience has their own threads to it. Um, I think the part that I'm like always struck by is that fight to live. And, and then the question in my mind is, what is it that we're living for? And why are we fighting? And why is it important? Um, and so there's, and then I think about that the medical team, although they have a lot of, not although, but 
although then I think about the medical team and how they focus on treating the cancer. Um, and there's, all, there's sometimes there's a possibility for cure, which is the case in Michael's <coughs> situation. But that's sometimes cure is an option and sometimes it isn't. But healing is always available to us. And regardless of the situation we're in or going through, there's still something, there's still something about that that's living. Right? So whatever, whatever we're in, we're living in it. And so how do, we, how do we do that? And how do we experience that? And how do we say that was my part of my story? So in, in Michael's story then, at, at what point do you two meet then? And I, and I know you met before, but in terms... Post, near the end of treatment. So at the cancer agency, um, my experience is that every patient has access to the, their team, right? And their team includes a um, medical doctor, like an oncologist, um, the nursing staff, pharmacy staff, dietitian, and social work. So sometimes that's one or more of those different disciplines. Um, so I was consulted. I received a referral um, <clears throat> from Michael's social worker to do some um, some kind of teamwork, I guess, like the three of us met, because I have extra training in trauma. And <clears throat> so I think that was how we, I don't, but I don't yeah, really remember how, when. I think you were done treatment? Yeah, I was, I was finished treatment. Finished treatment, yeah. 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 I didn't know you during treatment. No. Yeah, and so I think it was, well, if I remember correctly, it was about now treatment's done yeah. and what has happened to me, yeah. right? So I made it. I did, they did what they said they were going to do. I did what I said I was going to do. Now and now what? What is, that's what I recall. So then how, yeah. So then what, um, what, what does, what, what are those steps like then? Like how, how do you approach it, Colleen? How do you, how do you approach those steps in terms of, of now what? Um, well, I think it's about letting our life energy and our life force come back into relationship with us. And that's, that's a process and that's tricky to do when, when we feel like we've been threatened, right? Or we feel like we've been unsafe. And the reason that's tricky is because it, it, it's innate in us to protect, right? That's our nervous system. We go into fight, flight, freeze whenever we feel threatened. Everyone has a nervous system. Everyone does it. <laughs> Most of the time in our life, we're able to manage that. So we have coping skills. We know how to take a deep breath. We know how to talk to our friends, our family. We know how to, but we have our tools to manage that, those instincts that are kind of there. Um, but sometimes things, trauma is anything that happens that we don't want can be anything that happens that we don't want or happens too soon and too fast that we don't understand. We don't have time to make sense of what's going on. Medical trauma is kind of an interesting little monkey of its own because I often use something a bit more um, less triggering, like say like a broken bone, right? <clears throat> if I was to break my bone on my arm, 
and need it to be set and pinned, I'm going to say yes, because I want to be able to use my arm, right? So I'm going to sign that, that consent, right? So the doctor is going to say, this is, what, this is what needs to happen, but you have to sign, right? And I'm going to say yes. That, but, the, but the fact is my body doesn't actually, the cells in my body don't actually want to go through that procedure. Right, it's invasive, it's a boundary rupture to my body. So it's not conscious that we're doing it, but oftentimes what happens is we kind of just disconnect a bit, right, from, from that. And that's just the nervous system, that's just self-protection. Like, and that's why we all continue to get to do what we do in our days. Well, exactly, and I think that's what brought us together the first time was, you know, it was, it was in November, I, again, I remember specifics, two o'clock at night, because I looked at the clock and there was some snow coming down. I was on the sixth floor overlooking the river. Out of, uh, or I was on all fours actually, on the, on the, on the bed, and um, I was having a conversation with myself, and the conversation was quite simple, that my mind couldn't take what was happening. So I made a separation between my body and my mind. Because I knew my body would be strong enough to take whatever it had to take. But upstairs, I couldn't do it. So I made a disconnect. And then I couldn't reconnect afterwards. You know, you know and, and uh, that's, that's, that's lingering. And, you know, it all to certain degrees. Um, you know, there's an acceptance because you, you have a new body now. I mean, you've been cut open, there's damage done to your spine from the tumor and, you know, on and on and on, you know, like the nervous system, I have a new nervous system, I have a new walk. Um, so I wasn't reconnecting, I wasn't putting the pieces back together and I think that's how we come in. If, as an example, nobody could touch my back. I wouldn't let anybody touch my back. You know, it's, it's, you can't see it, number one, it's behind you. Number two, there was, if I can say, a shitstorm that went on in it. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't at peace with it. I wasn't one with it. So the trauma therapy was to help me <laughs> put that back together. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'll never forget the, the, the whole thing. And I, I don't know if you, if you recall, but at one particular stage where you, you were doing your, your magic and then uh, we just were quiet. And uh, then I made a joke. And uh, it, was, it was kind of a complete circle, I believe is what you called it. I touched it, faced it, dealt with it, and then let it go. And I did feel this release like, oh, man. And I don't know what I said, but it was funny. <laughs> Everything you say is funny. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what is, what's, the, what's the magic? And then you're smiling now, but what's the magic? And, and how, how does yoga work into that? Yeah. So the magic is just a funny word that Michael has applied to it because the magic is really just the nervous system. It's the organic intelligence within us. And so it's just our bodies. And when we can stay and build and, and develop a relationship between our mind and our body and our life, then security comes again. 
but but like Mike Michael just said, and and it's it's a really like it's a visual way how you put it in terms of you, you have this disconnect between your mind and your body, and even though your body's strong enough that you know they can withstand it, it's been through like you said a shitstorm, and it's disconnected. So how do you calling reconnect? So the language of through the nervous system, the fight, flight, freeze, to help it to feel secure. The language of the nervous system is sensation, right? So the language of the mind is words, right? Well, that's why we have this like constant chatter that goes on in our heads and we like to tell stories, and right? That's how the mind communicates. The nervous system communicates through sensation. When you've been in a position, for many people, when we've been in a position where we feel like our body has betrayed us by becoming sick when you haven't done anything, right? Just like any time that a person has been betrayed, there's kind of like, I'm, you can't trust you, right? So I'm gonna disconnect. <clears throat> and so then the reconnection would be the same process as anything else. If you need to reconnect, if you need to repair a bond, right? You just have to go at it slowly and step by step and learn its language and see what's in there to, that's meaningful to you, right? And that has to come from, from each person themselves. Somebody else can't, I can't offer meaning to someone else, and I don't want someone else offering meaning to my learning <laughs> curves, right? It, ha- it comes, it's really magical when it comes from within. So the yoga? Yes, yeah, keep going. Yeah. I just have so many questions. Yeah. You keep going. <laughs> so the yo- so, um, <clears throat> so I'm a registered yoga teacher and I guess through my own experience with yoga was was the experience of that this body that I live in actually is here to to be my friend right and that I can work with it and it can work with me and we're not against each other and it's not just this it's part it's yeah so that was something that I gained through my own experience in yoga just I think that's separate. Um, and then through kind of my professional training, it was always this interesting curiosity about how healing actually happens. My earlier career, the early part of my career, I was a mental health counselor and there's lots of different modalities. You know, um, At the time that I was there, CBT was really kind of getting a lot of um, encouragement. <laughs> to use that because we could kind of see more patients and see people quicker and it worked well with the system. But I found like that for most people, it was kind of a little bit of a band-aid. And so I often wondered what else, what else was going on. So then with when I took somatic experiencing and became a practitioner, there, then I thought this is really interesting because now between this and yoga, yoga is pretty popular. Most people have some level of comfort or understanding at this point, right? 2019, <laughs> 2018 with a yoga studio. Um, and I just thought this is a great opportunity to blend a few things and actually meet, do my best to offer a way for people to meet people where they're at and let them have a space and time to meet themselves where hopefully there's some space that I'm holding for them and I bring with me you know 
in developing the program. There's a lot of research that was put into it. Um, we know that fatigue is one of the most common side effects of um, people who have been through cancer treatment. So um, fatigue is an interesting experience because um, you need a certain amount of rest, but rest alone isn't really the answer, right? You need some kind of activity, but intense activity will drain you too quickly. So yoga is one activity that seems to be supportive to fatigue. Um, it also addressed other things that showed up in the research around the importance of safety and social connection um, <clears throat> and just the ability to come back into relationship with self in a safe place, I guess. And then I was able to, it was a good blender, a good match as well with the nervous system and the SE. You were listening to part two of episode 12 of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson, and I'm joined by the wonderful Amy Smith-Morris. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. You can also stream episodes on Spotify and on the website at yxeunderground.com. We've been listening to a conversation with Colleen McBride and Michael McLaughlin. There's a lot to talk about so far, Amy, but the one thing I wanted to um, to ask you was that that physical and emotional connection that Michael touched on near the end. When, when you were undergoing treatments, did, did you ever experience that, that disconnect between your mind and your body? I think I still do when I think about treatments, like reflect back on treatments. Definitely there were points, there were points throughout my treatment where I know I physically had a conversation with someone, but I actually don't recall doing that. And and if that's not a disconnect between your body and mind, I don't know what is. Why do you think that happened to you? I think a lot of it's protective, probably. You, your body knows it's enduring so much and so much trauma that it's actually doing its best to protect you from that. So if, if it's not too prying to ask, when, when you were going through those times, um, like, did you feel comfortable to tell Colleen that? And if so, like, how do, you, how do you work through something like that? I don't even know if I realized it when I was going through it. Like, when you're going through treatment, it's, I almost say it's easier than after treatment, in a sense. And the reason why I say that is because you have this plan. You know you're going to do surgery or you're going to do radiation or you're going to do, you know, this many cycles of chemo. So you have this very clear plan of how you need to march forward. And then once you're done and you're cancer-free, hopefully, or whatever your, wherever your treatment takes you, um, then you're kind of just like, now go back out into the world. And so you're kind of like, well, what's, what do I do now to recover? What do I do now to heal? What's the plan now? And so that's kind of the difficult part. How, how, did, you, how, did, you get, how did you deal with that difficult part? When, when you were done the plan, yeah. how do you go? Like, what were some of the first things that you did? Yeah, I think all through my treatment, I was meeting with Colleen regularly. Um, I often call them just my brain tune-ups because I think it's just as important <laughs> as getting the rest of your body tuned up. So I would meet with Colleen regularly. And then after treatment, it was a lot of work on anxiety and trauma and things like that, which Michael talks about too, to kind of recover and bring you back to a sense of well-being. I'm glad you mentioned the anxiety because I, I we do hear that from from Michael and I think we'll hear it more in the second part and um, when 
when we pick it up here, I, I was I was asking Michael about um, you know what what it was like to take the the first few yoga classes with Colleen, and and I'm so glad you mentioned too off the top, like it's it's yoga. There's a physical aspect, but it's so much more than that. And so um, so I think you'll hear that in this part of the interview. So um, so let's get right to it. Yeah, <clears throat> what were they like? Um, tearful. Safe. Of course, peaceful place of peace and uh, non judgment, um, understanding with other people that were there. And uh, you know, yeah, I guess you didn't have to look over your shoulder to see if somebody's coming to do something to you. Um, I know it's a pretty, it's a, you know, it's a hard to describe. You, you mentioned safe and and other people there. The fact that there were other people there who, I, is it safe to say shared experiences? Like I know not specific to you, but kind of going through similar things. Did did that help? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And, and I guess that's the thing, you know. Like cancer is a big word, and there's so many different forms of it, and you know. Uh, they all have their unique challenges, and so did the people, because everybody has different mindsets, everybody has different experiences, so everybody has a different way to approach it. The one thing about it um, is that when you're diagnosed with cancer, you have two choices, and I don't even know if they're choices. Um, you have to go through it. Now, if you don't go through it, it's going to go send you down a different path, so you're, you're still going through it to some sense so that's the the the, the commonality right um, um, you know if there's surgery involved it's the same thing nobody volunteers willingly you know I had a conversation with my brother once who, who uh, thought that was pretty amazing it, it uh, you know I was I get spinal taps right they take spinal fluid out and then they put chemotherapy directly into your spine so that it can go into your um, fluid around your brain, if you will, because your traditional chemo through your uh, vascular system doesn't work well. So, and uh, he says, you know, it was, he was amazed that I could voluntarily, you know, lie on the side of the bed while the doctor does his thing. And, and I was thinking about that. And I said, no, well, I'm not really volunteering for that, but it's got to be done. So I come up with this great idea. I'm sorry I'm rambling and I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, I'm I'm come up with this idea where I'm not going to take any any Ativan. I'm going to do it, you know, without any medication and just volunteer to have that procedure done. Anyway, thank goodness, Awesome was smart enough to say, well, you know, every time your muscles move, it makes my job harder. So that that's how far that went. It was a mental exercise that went nowhere. But uh, so. Anyway, to be in a room with, with other people, you know, and everybody's at a different level. There was people there that were spending their final days on this planet, and uh, they were there for, you know, their journey. Um, but I think it was also, uh, you know, the strength in numbers, there's also, um, um, you want to give encouragement, you know, um, you want to show to other people that you can do this. 
you, you, you can get through this. There's, there's better times ahead. Um, and so I think that was, I, I hope that was a common experience for everybody. But the yoga program itself is, I, I think, completely unique. I, I go to yoga. I just come back from Vancouver and they're on every street corner. And um, a plug for men, get out. There's lots out there that do. There's not enough in Saskatchewan that do. But anyway, um, you know, it was, uh, you asked me, I guess, uh, what my first experiences were like. Um, my first experiences were the same throughout all the time that I went. Um, so it was like, it wasn't the first, it was just, it was a, a continual growth for me. And it was a reconnect of the, of the uh, brain and the body. Uh, after we'd met at the, at the cancer center the first time, um, I think if memory serves me correct, it was like on a Thursday. <laughs> Not that I'm remembering dates, um, but that Saturday I was not feeling well and had a bad cough, and so you know you've got these rules that you have to follow. So I went to a GP, walk-in clinic, had X-rays done, and uh, was informed that there was a possible mass on my right lung and that I have to report to the cancer center Monday morning. So all the work that was done on the previous work was out the window. Come Monday morning. Um, but anyway, it turned out to be nothing. And so the, the yoga pr program was kind of a, a restart to that, but I'd already, I'd already touched it and felt it. So I knew what that was like. So going back to the, getting into the yoga, which was the very first program you offered, um, was a, a great way to, to reconnect. You know, and I don't want to tell other people's stories there, but we would talk before and we would talk afterwards. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was amazing, simply. And, you know, I, I become a big advocate of it. And, you know, I want, I want it to be a must. <laughs> you know, I mean, the medical profession is, uh, for me, was flawless in doing what they had to do. And they did it well. But then there's the after side, and the medical profession doesn't deal with that. So it's programs such as this that do. <laughs> and it's, uh, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be thinking the way that I'm thinking. I wouldn't be, uh, you know, um, I don't know. It just, because it, it just, you know, as, as a father of four, mind you, they're all young men, um, you know, it affects everybody. You know, in, in, if, my, if my parents were alive, as an example, there'd be 75 people in their family. Um, I was the first, second person to be diagnosed with cancer. Um, since then, there's been one other who's finished her treatments and everything, and it's looking good. So it, it, there's a ripple effect that goes out, right? And, uh, you know, some people would say, it's not supposed to happen to your baby brother. Thank you for sharing that. And there, there was, there was something that I found really interesting that I wanted to pick up on you. Um, so when, when I go, when I go to yoga classes and I, I've been going to yoga for about maybe four or five years off and on. And, um, you know, the classes I go to, it's very much, you know, no matter what your, your level is in terms of if you can stand on your head or if you can barely touch your toes or, uh, your, your shins in my case, um, it doesn't matter. You're, everyone's at their own pace. But then Michael just said, you know, everyone 
in in your class is at their own at stage in their journey in terms of like you're you're recovering and you're you're starting that road and then you might have a person who like you said it's it's their last days on earth and so and so I'm wondering as a as an instructor calling how do you how do you go about teaching so that like they're they're so the cross section of people is that's that's incredible how do you go about teaching that when you're in the actual studio that's a <clears throat> an important question because it looks a lot like a yoga class you know if anyone walked in we'd all be on our mats we'd all be in you know the posture that's right for our body or sitting in a chair, in a chair. Um, I think the the part that really drove the planning and the organizing of this program for me was a lot to do with um, my my education. When I was doing my master's, I did it in palliative care and end of life. Um, and in that process, I learned a lot about the disease process from the point of being receiving a diagnosis to whatever the whole path of that. Um, and so I think that's the part that really provided me personally the part that I what I needed as a professional social worker and a yoga teacher to be able to hold that space and understand that although there is a common diagnosis with all these people that there that I was able to understand a bit more of that everyone was on it in their own place I guess um, so the same as a yoga teacher would be able to do in a class that you are, you know, that you go to, right? So whether someone's standing on their heads or touching their shin, <laughs> you know. So I think, but the part with, 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 for me, with working um, with people who have cancer is understanding that that process and that the trajectory of that experience and you know, how, how, what it's like to come into it and what, and where kind of the exits, you know, whether a person exits it where treatment is complete and cure is there and right then there's the aftercare recovery or whether cancer is, so whether, or whether it becomes a, a chronic condition, right, which sometimes that is the case and it's a ongoing, um, needs ongoing treatment or care at different times. And then for other people, sometimes cancer is the part that is their story of end of life. So if I think about as a yoga teacher, the, the yamas and the niyamas inclusion, right? And community and safety and, um, having a relationship with ourselves and others was really what was the yoga foundation to it. Um, the other parts were around things that I know as a, as a social worker and that I've studied. And then the other parts are around trauma, which I've also been working to learn more about and kind of break down some, hopefully some barriers, <laughs> why, why people are, bumping up against things that they're not able to heal or get past because we're not actually tending to 
to what needs to be tended to. Um, Michael had said something about, and it made me think about autonomy, right? That when everyone, when you're in a situation where you have a lot of medical intervention happening, I think it, it seems to me from the stories I've heard and the things that I've witnessed is that there's a sense of autonomy that's, that's lost. And so that, that opportunity to gain that back again, right? Where are my edges? Where are my boundaries? Where do I begin? Where do I end? Who, who, how do I exist now, right? Um, were important parts as well. I, I have a logistical question um, for you in, in terms of your, of your classes, Colleen. Do you know Do you know where everyone's at before they come into the class? Like, do you know um, Like, do you know their story basically before they come and and you start mm -hmm. the practice? So the lens that I see the world in is that of relationship. Um, so my hope is to know that I think given, you know, given my experience, there's some things that I'm able to make some educated guesses about. But um, I also think that there's a respect that it's about forming the relationship and that I want them to trust me. So when they're ready to tell me, I'm ready to listen. But that's their choice because going through an experience like cancer, there isn't a lot of choice. So the truth is, yes, for every person in the program, I've known, but there isn't, there isn't a registration form <laughs> or there isn't an exit survey or, right, I would, I'm just really more of, I want to know you, I want you to feel safe with me and I want to respect the process of that. And so when you're ready, and when, if this feels right for you to share that, I'll hear it, but I don't want to rupture those boundaries as people are trying to put them back in place. I, I think, I, I can't thank you enough, both of you for, for being so open and for sharing so much. And I'm just thinking and sort of reflecting back on what we've been talking about and the, the themes of, of safety. And I'm so glad you mentioned autonomy. I think that's been sort of a, a running theme. And it seems like with, with, with this program, with, with doing yoga, but, the, but it's so much more that autonomy and safety sort of come back into your life. Michael, would that be a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's all part of the process and, and, uh, it's a very safe environment and, and, you know, everybody gets to that stage at a certain time. So there's no pressure to, and it's uh, it's um, it's just a natural flow, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, just like a vinyasa flow, kind. Just like a vinyasa flow, <laughs> and hopefully to come back into the world and see that the truth of the matter, regardless of what we saw in the news or regardless of the terrifying experience we just had, the world really is mostly safe, and we as human beings are designed for connection. We're not made to be in isolation and we're, that's just not how we're designed, <laughs> right? Um, so I think that's the other piece is that I hope that as the fog lifts or as the paths change or the people come around different bends, they're able to look out their windows or 
go to the grocery store or say hi to someone and know that really at the end, like it's really, the world is safe and people are good. And so when we talk about safe, it's, um, you know, for me, it was more of a, it was a safe environment where nobody's going to be, uh, um, doing anything to my physical being. And it was a safe environment, um, for me to process what had happened and where I'm at in this process and to find um, peace and acceptance of a new life. See, one thing that people I don't think talk about, maybe they do, I don't want to generalize, but um, you know, when you get diagnosed with cancer, everything changes. And, um, you know, and of course everybody's different, but for me, I'll speak for myself. Everything changes. It's a brand new life. You know, there's, there's nothing that's the same. There's things that are more solidified in your ethos, in the way that you think. And there's other things that are totally meaningless and irrelevant and you'll never touch base with again. So that's, that's in your, in your, in your spiritual being, if you will. In the physical, that's a whole other thing, right? Everybody, you know, if there's physical damage caused by surgeries or, or you know, things have been taken off your body, <laughs> um, you have to deal with that. It's, it's new. And so it's a process to come to grips with that, you know? You, you, you wake up one morning and the next day when you wake up or whenever it is, you know, you're not walking right. Um, uh, you know, you, you, things have changed. So this, the, the yoga, and when I speak of safe, it's a safe environment to find the acceptance and to move through that process and to move on in, in life. Because you're with other people uh, that are experiences the same thing to, you know, and everybody to a different degree, right? I mean, I'm grateful because, you know, I, I, I can control my bladder, I can walk, and I am alive. Um, and uh, so what do you do with all of it? You, you go to yoga, Colleen's yoga, and experience that and put the pieces together. Yeah. Is it humbling to hear that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, um... It's humbling, it's honoring, it's, it reminds me of that that position really has a whole, carries a lot of responsibility and it needs to be done with a huge amount of integrity because healing happens when people are seen, heard and understood, but it can't, you can't join, you're not helpful if you, it's like, I often use the example. You can't join, you don't, it's not helpful to join in, that's their experience, right? So it's kind of like a lifeguard, so to speak, right? The last thing you want to do is enter the, the pool with the person that's, that's struggling, right? Because you want to stay on the edge, you want to offer them support, you want to be there, remind them they're okay, get them what they need, and help them to the edge so they can help themselves out, right? I think I don't want someone... I don't have anything that someone needs. We all, everyone has in them what they already need, right? The, but there's a lot of responsibility in 
respecting that and remembering my, right, that I need to check my stuff at the door and show up as a human being, hopefully with some skills and some knowledge that are helpful to Very others. Good point. And thanks. For the, yeah, I, I don't want to be putting all the pressure on you. It's, it's, it's the opportunity to go within yourself, if you so choose to, to find your way through it. And what Colleen does is provides you the environment, the safety, the security, the expertise within herself to, I don't know, work it out for yourself, navigate your own way through it. Um, and there, I mean, there's, you know, I can think of one particular person that maybe wasn't ready and, but, you know, it was part of, it was still part of a, a healing process for her because she got to vent and uh, that was important and I figured, you know, maybe today she's doing a whole lot better because you have to be heard. Um, so yeah, the responsibility doesn't lie with Colleen. It lies within each and every one of us. And the caregivers and the support people that are around you have to understand that too. You know, I think back to the beautiful couple um, who's, uh, you know, they were in seniors and, and uh, his wife was gone through treatments and everything was good and they got the diagnosis that, you know, cancer is all gone. Anyway, one particular session, she was ill and couldn't come. And so her husband asked, is it okay if I come? <laughs> and I thought, there you go, perfect. It, you know, it, it, it's not only for the people that go through it, but everybody goes through it. I mean, he went through his own trauma watching his loved one have to go through it. So it affects him. But he found the same thing for him to be able to deal with that. And I thought that was, I thought that was just, it was one of those moments where it was a yes moment. Yeah, he's, he's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so the one of the parts of this program is that it's for patients and caregivers. Um, caregivers often are are kind of on the side, giving in and putting a lot of energy and doing a lot of selfless love um, without the support that they need to be able to do that for a long period of time. So caregivers are always welcome as well, and then it's their opportunity to have a chance to just check in with themselves and be in a space where I then can make sure that their loved one is being watched and cared for so they can rest. I know there's times I think where sometimes the caregivers come or sometimes even people who have cancer come and they're like, I just slept. I'm like, well, I'm glad you had a good sleep, right? Like that counts. Like to me, that check mark, that, that counts, right? It's not about doing it perfect or right. It's about the opportunity to have some space and time with yourself and be with someone who are a group of people who hopefully have an ability to hold space as well as a heart to care. I, I, I think that's all. Oh, that's really nice. I think that's almost like, that's a really nice way to end it kind of deal. Cause it, it it's, Paints, it paints a really nice picture of what what that environment's like when you walk into into the studio. I I'm very 
I'm very, very thankful that I got to meet both of you. And I'm glad we did this together. Um, and for those of you that are hearing this right now, um, it was fascinating watching you guys, your eye contact back and forth. Um, and you can tell you were sort of building off of things. And, and, um, and so I really appreciate that because it takes guts to tell, to talk about for Michael to tell your story and then for Colleen to, to not only share your story, but then, you know, to, to share your observations in terms of what you see and how you feel. So thank you guys so much. I sure appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you very much. My thanks to Colleen and Michael for sharing so much in this conversation. It's, it's certainly not easy to lay everything out the way that they did, so I really appreciate them taking the time to talk and appear on this podcast. And I want to let people know where they can find Colleen and her yoga practice. So if this is something that interests you, she will be running Cancer Care Informed Yoga Classes at the Saskatoon Naturopathic Medicine Clinic beginning in September. And if you want to register, you can go to a website, not only to, to register, but just to learn more about Colleen as well. And it's www.cm the practice so cm the practice all one word dot ca and if you do have any direct questions for colleen and and are are having a hard time getting in touch with her uh, feel free to send me an email at eric anderson yxe at gmail.com again um this conversation does not happen uh, without you, Amy. So I, I can't thank you enough for these last two episodes. Like it, none of this happens. And I remember it was like five or six months ago, we met for breakfast on a Sunday morning at hometown diner. And we were like, what, how can we like work together to do something? And I'm, I'm just so happy with how it turned out. So, so thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me involved. This is such an important topic and a topic that so many of us come up against and so I think it's really important to highlight what's here in Saskatoon and in Saskatchewan and thank you for letting me learn from you I've learned so much I I don't know about that there's lots of typos in the script and stuff (laughs) like that but this has been lots of fun and I I want people to um, I want you to tell them where they can find because as we established in the last episode you're you're way too above ground Um, uh, but which is but I think that's such a wonderful thing so I want people to know where they can find your your voice out there Yeah, I am above ground, so it's pretty easy to find me. Um, You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Amy D. Farm D. Um, You can also go to my website. It's www.amydfarmd.com. You can find out all about me there. Yes. Um, And be sure um, to check out... um Amy's Chai and Chats, which we talked about in the previous episode, um, and you're you're just very busy. Plus, we haven't even talked about this, but you have a son. Mm-hmm. Tell people about Max. Yeah, so life after cancer kind of took a turn for me there. I, it's it's true that I had ovarian cancer and I had one ovary removed, but I kept one ovary and had my miracle Max. So my my son was born on St. Patty's Day. So very lucky little boy. And he's great. I I do have to say he slept through the entire photo shoot, um, but he was adorable while doing it. So yeah. (laughs) Are you enjoying motherhood? Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, um, you know, I had one other friend that's a cancer survivor say to me, like, how's motherhood going? And I said, you know what? It's easier than I thought it would be. And she said, you know, after cancer, I, I think a lot of things are. That's, (laughs) that's, that's very true. Um, and, and I think that's a, yeah, that's a very, that's a really wonderful thing to say. Yeah, but he, he's, a, he's an amazing little guy. So, um, Amy, thank you for everything. And, um, 
and be sure to check out um, Amy's presence on social media and online as well. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks. Maybe it will be a podcast. <laughs> no comment. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know what, Eric? Yes. I should um, mention something about Survivor if I can, oh, yes, too. Yeah. yeah. So um, the Chai and Chat that you heard about is run by an organization that I started called Survive Her. So Survive Her with the H-E-R at the end. And you can find more about that at surviveherfoundation.ca. Or you can look us up on uh, Facebook if you're a female in Saskatoon or in Saskatchewan even fighting cancer. Look us up, and uh, it's nice to be with like-minded people when you're going through that. Well, I bet. Um, and, and so, so with the work that you're doing there, um, what like what can people find out? Yeah, so there's three different avenues Survive Her takes. Um, we fundraise to support research um, for finding detection, treatment um, for cancers that primarily impact women. Um, so that's one stream. The second stream is our connection. So that's our chai and chat. So we aim to connect other female survivors in the city with one another. Um, and the third avenue is resources. So you can go to our website and uh, coming up very shortly, there'll be a, kind of like a big pool of resources that you might find useful as you go through treatment. That's so interesting. And um, and from doing these, these two episodes, you realize that... Um, there, there is there is a very tight knit community um, here in Saskatoon when it comes when it comes to cancer. So I, I just think the work that you're doing is awesome. So yeah, definitely. When I was first diagnosed, someone said, "Now you're part of this elite club that no one wants to be a part of," but you are part of a community. Um, so Amy, thank you again for everything. And I quickly want to thank um, a few more people before we go. Uh, Janelle Wallace, uh, who's the uh, podcast photographer, she took some incredible portraits uh, for these episodes. And you can find her uh, her photos on our uh, podcast Instagram page, on Twitter, and on Facebook as well. Uh, my cousin Andrew for all the music. Uh, to Kareen Larson and David Hutton from the CBC uh, for all their help. Uh, to my wife, Jen, not Fred. Fred's the dog. To Jen and Fred for all their love and support. And um, and once again, Amy, to you as well. Uh, this interview uh, was done on Treaty 6 territory as well as our voicing and the traditional homeland of the Métis. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, wherever you find your, your favorite podcasts out there. And you can stream episodes on Spotify and on the website at yxeunderground.com. And if there's someone out there who you think should be on the podcast, who's doing something awesome in Saskatoon, but is flying under the radar, please let me know. You can send an email to ericandersonyxe at gmail.com. The next episode, which is going to be the last episode for season one, is going to feature this really great guy named Derek Chesney, and he's a constable for the Saskatoon Police Service, and that's going to drop next month, so hopefully uh, you'll tune in for that. Thank you so much for listening and uh, for all your support in these uh, last two episodes, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.